सहनावतो सहनो भुनक्तो सहवीर्यंकरवावहै तेजस्विनावधीतमस्तुम विद्विशावहै ओम शांतिशांतिशांति ओम पूर्णमद पूर्णमिदम पूर्णात्पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवावशिष्यते शांतिशांतिशांतिशुतिस्मृतिपुराणाणालयुणालय नमामि भगवत्दोकशंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवतनपुनशरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति विभागिने श्रीभगवाच अनाश्रित कर्म फल कार्यम कर्म करोतीसी चोगी चनिर्नचाक्रियसमी प्राहु ंडव नह्यसंकोगी कचन यंसंसमिपाहुगिपाडव So, yogam meaning the performance of action. <coughs> Understand that even performance of action also, with a giving up of the attachment for the result of the action, meaning preparedness for accepting the results as they come. What is meant by giving up attachment to the results of an action? is not that we perform action without any plan not that we perform action without any purpose in mind but that whatever outcome comes we are willing to accept gracefully without branding ourselves success or a failure and even without branding the outcome also as success or failure because success and failure are 
very subjective things. A given thing can be called a success by somebody, may be called a failure by somebody else. In any case, the outcome is always in keeping with the input or the karma. So what is success? And what is failure? All one can say is that I had a certain expectation of an outcome. That expectation came true, so I call it success. And if the outcome is not according to my expectation, I call it failure. It's I, first of all, who places an expectation and then brands the result as success or failure. So Lord Krishna says, do not brand the result as success or failure. It is just the result, outcome. Better to call it prasada. Better to call it the prasada or gift of Ishvara. As a result of what you have done. <clears throat> All of this of course requires Ishvara as we said in our life. It requires devotion to the Lord. It requires Shraddha in the Lord. It requires also a, a clarity about the purpose of life. A clarity is required. <clears throat> so karma yoga is possible meaning performing action in the attitude of yoga is possible only for a person who looks upon spiritual growth as the main purpose of life, as the main process of life. And for that purpose, for that person who is seeking spiritual growth from whatever happens, there is no disappointment because everything will result, everything will bring about a spiritual growth. Whether an effort brings about some material compensation or not, we cannot be sure. But by proper attitude, it certainly brings about a spiritual growth in as much as I am willing to accept the outcome as it comes without reacting, without identifying with it, without branding myself as success or failure, without even branding the result also, accept it as it comes. In which case, my usual, my nature of usually reacting that when things do not go my way, then I react with anger and frustration and blaming. And when things go my way, then I again react with congratulating myself. Either self-congratulations or self-blaming or blaming somebody, this is usually the, out, the reaction towards the result of action. Or reaction towards various situations. The situation that we encounter moment to moment can be looked upon as a result of some actions or the other. And therefore, what is meant by, an, what is intended by teaching us an attitude towards result is in fact an attitude towards whatever I come across in life. God give me serenity to accept gracefully what I cannot change, and a result I cannot change, so what have I not created? The situations are not created, I come across them, I have to confront them. And so rather than branding a situation as desirable, undesirable, favorable, unfavorable, likable, unlikable, I first brand and then react. I first brand a situation as no good and then I react it by rejecting it. I brand a situation as very good, and I reacted by embracing it. So don't brand. 
look upon every situation and every moment as prasad, as gift of God. And therefore, have the, the spirit of being blessed. And so, with blessing, with, uh, with gratitude, accept everything that comes. And then see what you want to do. What do you mean by accepting a situation gracefully does not mean that we do not respond to situation. We do not react to situation. Reacting is one thing, responding is another thing. <clears throat> so Swamiji distinguishes between action and reaction. So whenever I act out of anger or frustration or jealousy or whatever, it is a reaction. Whenever I act out of a balance of mind out of deliberation, then it would be an action. In short, what Lord Krishna teaches is that, let our free will be available to us and helpful to us in every situation. Whenever we react to a situation then, it is not our free will that acts, it is our impulse that acts. And therefore, always keep the impulse under control. Try for that. Keep the impulse of anger or frustration or rejection under check. And remind yourself, this is prasada, prasada, prasada. Don't reject it. Don't be angry. Don't unnecessarily congratulate. Don't be proud also. But accept it as created, given to you by God, and thereby it is prasada, and act, not react. We have to act in every situation, every situation calls for a certain response, which we have to provide. Whenever the response is provided with a mind which enjoys a balance, it is going to be a mature response. Whereas when you provide a response to the mind which is angry or frustrated, then it's going to be an immature response. That's all that is asked for, that's all that is meant here by remaining free from attachment, that's all. So when we react, it shows attachment one way or the other. Thus this whole attitude towards life and this is required to be done in our day-to-day life for our own, for own mental health, really. And then this attitude itself makes a life a spiritual life. Because I always bring into picture Ishvara. That helps. That Ishvara is direct and therefore it must be an infinite wisdom this is created. There must be some purpose. So let me not reject it right away, let me wait and see what the purpose is. Maybe it's not clear to me right now, maybe it may, it may unfold itself later on, therefore let me have an open mind. So having an open mind towards everything. <clears throat> and this whole attitude enables me to keep under check my usual reactions. And this is how we progressively become free from reactions. We progressively acquire a mind or cultivate a mind that is able to maintain a balance on equanimity in the various situations. And then we can see also that every situation does bring something to me. It is a blessing in one way or the other. 
either it's an open blessing or blessing in disguise, but it's there. We can appreciate Ishvara's grace in our life. That how we are enjoying grace in everything. So Swamiji, he gave me a slap. God do that, I don't know, maybe. So, sometimes painful experiences are there, bitter experiences are there, it's very hard, difficult to see any grace in there. So we hold off. Maybe, I, I don't see the grace, but anyway, I'll give him the benefit of doubt. Something may be there. Maybe after some time, the grace, grace may be evident. It's not evident right now. But even if it's not evident right now, I still don't reject it. At least I say, let me see what it is. Let us wait and watch. And let us retain as coolness of the mind as possible, as, as much balance as possible. <clears throat> so all of this is a very mature way of living life also. <clears throat> so Lord Krishna says that this person will become a sannyasi one day. He'll become a yogi one day. What is yoga? Yoga is a means of connecting with Ishwara. Now every result, or every situation, if you remind you of Ishwara, this prasada, then it connects me with Ishwara. And ideally while performing an action also I remember Ishwara, then, oh Lord, you be pleased with this. May this be my offering to you. May I join your scheme of things. Because Ishwara has created the world, and he has a certain way of doing things, and we join him. <coughs> so rather than looking upon my life as a process of only making, you know, uh, material growth, I look upon my life as a process of discovering Ishwara. <coughs> and the material growth comes in that process. So primary purpose is not the material growth, primary purpose is spiritual growth, and the material growth is a consequence. I will give you the example that when I, when I plant a seed for a mango tree, in course of time, the mango fruits do come, which is the purpose. But then on the side, we also get the shade and flowers and leaves. And so also, the material growth has to come. Because when we maintain, when we have a mind which is relatively under, I mean, enjoying the poise and equanimity, a balance, then that the judgment by such mind is going to be better. The judgment arises from an evaluation of a situation. And I can evaluate a situation well if my mind is in balance. I can judge the pros and cons better. My decision also is going to, judgment is going to be better, decision also is going to be likely more mature. And that way I can live my life very more effectively. So I'll be successful anyway. So material success also will come to a person who is able to manage himself. Bhagavad Gita teaches us self-management. And the manage, other management will, will be easier when we can manage ourselves. In spite of all the talents and capabilities we have, if we cannot manage ourselves then, we become incapable of managing situations also. I may have all the capacities of dealing with situations, but if my mind is not available to me, then it doesn't help me. As in case of Arjuna also, he had all the capacity to fight and win this battle, but he could not manage himself. And 
his mind was filled with grief. And so he says, Lord, I cannot even stand. I cannot even hold my bow, it is slipping from my hands. And I am feeling dizzy, I cannot stand. You have to sit down, I mean, you know, Arjuna. So what it means is that it is not only enough that we have the capabilities which we should have, but it is also necessary that we should be able to manage ourselves, manage our mind, manage our emotions, manage these impulses, and not be managed by them, but manage them. In Swamiji's words, to be able to manage our ragadveshas and not managed by them. To manage our desires and not managed by them. To manage everything and not managed by anything. This is what a Vedantin like. He likes freedom. In every situation, he always wants to not manage, not that he wants to manipulate or control. He just wants to be free so that his free will and all the wisdom which he has is available <coughs> to bear upon a given situation. <coughs> And when this Karma Yoga is the devotee, then while performing action also is pleased, happy to be able to offer his action to the Lord. And whatever result comes also is pleased to accept it as a prasad of the Lord. In that case, the action as well as the result, both of them become the means of connecting him with the Lord. So Yoga is that which connects me with Ishvara. Thus, when karma becomes a means of connecting with Ishvara, it becomes karma yoga. So he progressively becomes connected to Ishvara, meaning that he recognizes the grace. He recognizes Ishvara's presence. He recognizes how everything is his grace. That I can perform an action also is his grace. That I am existing itself is his grace. That I can breathe and walk and talk is his grace. And that I can perform an action is His grace. Everything is grace. <coughs> Which is there for us to appreciate, that's all. Everything is there. The flowers are all there, provided my mind is available, then I can enjoy it. The birds are there, if my mind is there. The trees are there, everything is there. Ishwara is there, His grace is there, His order is there, it's all there. It is for us to enjoy a mind, to have a mind which can appreciate that. <clears throat> so this whole approach towards performance of action and towards the result of the action is meant to progressively give us a mind which becomes free from the impulses of likes and dislikes impulses such as anger or frustration, which enjoys a greater and greater poise, which enjoys a greater and greater equanimity, and which also enjoys more and more the presence of Ishvara. Because what is Ishvara? Where is God? What is not God? As Vedanta says, what is Ishvara? And so it's not that you have to go someplace to appreciate Ishvara. 
But what is Ishvara I can see provided my mind can see what is. Usually mind does not see what is. Mind projects something with other and then sees what is. Usually I am wearing the glasses of likes and dislikes and therefore I project things upon what is and therefore I do not see things as they are. Out of my fears, out of my insecurities, out of way, I don't see things as they are. Either I see the world as a threat, if I am fearful, or I see the world as a place of extracting pleasure, if I am, you know, if, if I am a pleasure-seeking person. <clears throat> so, idea is to slowly enjoy a mind, which is in the present, which is able to appreciate things as they are, then everything is fine. Everything is fine if you can appreciate them as they are. <coughs> it's Ishvara, because everything is Ishvara. So ultimately, Karma Yogi, understand Karma Yogi is a person who is living his day-to-day life, a householder, performing his or her duties. That itself is quite enough to help him or her appreciate Ishvara. <coughs> and therefore, in the, in the third verse, Lord Krishna says, Arurukshor Muner Yogam Karmakarana Muchyate Yoga Rudhasya Tasyaiva Shamahkarana Muchyade Lord Krishna says, Yogam Arurukshoho Aru Arudhum Ichoho One wants to climb Yogam One wants to climb Yoga so, what is yoga? Yoga means the, the control over the mind. Let us say yoga here means the meditative mind or contemplative mind. One who wants to attain a meditative mind. One who wants to attain a contemplative mind. What is meant by meditative mind? is a capacity on my part to be able to focus my mind upon whatever I want to think about. That's all. Usually it is my mind that decides what it wants to think about. Even if I want my mind to think about something, the mind itself is its own mind, and therefore it decides what it wants to think about. <clears throat> Meaning usually my mind is not in my control. In that, with that kind of a mind, it is difficult for us to meditate or contemplate. Because meditation necessarily requires me to be able to focus attention on something for a period of time. So we require a steadiness of the mind. We require a capacity of able to focus something, focus upon something for a period of time. And that's, that capacity is called yoga rudhatvam. 
climbing the horse of yoga, meaning to be able to apply my mind for contemplation or meditation. So Lord Krishna says that this capacity does not, is not something that happens right away. It is possible that some people are born with this capacity from a very young age on account of the work that they may have done in the past. But usually everyone requires to work. Everyone requires to put in a lot of efforts to cultivate a frame of mind which enjoys meditation, which enjoys contemplation. So, a meditative mind is a mind which enjoys meditation. <clears throat> and that happens when, as the next verse will tell us, I am free from the need of enjoyment from other things. A mind, so in Vedanta they talk about Antahakana Shuddhi and Antahakana Naishalyam. Antahakana Shuddhi, purification of mind. Antahakana Naishalyam, the single pointedness of the mind. So what we require is also a mind that enjoys purity. And what is meant by purity is that the mind is free from these impurities. <coughs> these various impulses such as anger or greed or lust or jealousy, which when they arise in my mind, they disturb my mind. My mind becomes agitated, becomes disturbed, becomes... Uh, uh, loses control. Whenever anger arises, whenever greed arises, whenever jealousy arises, whenever any of these negative emotions arises, that time mind cannot enjoy quietude. Therefore, they are called impurities. They are products of rajas and tamas. The mind is made of the three dispositions, sattva, rajas and tamas. Sattva stands for purity, Rajas stand for uh, agitation or dirt. Tamas stands for darkness. <clears throat> so when the mind is in the influence of tamas, that is very dull. No initiative. No desire, no, no interest in doing anything. Only sleep, laziness, lethargy, this is what the mind likes when the mind is under the influence of tamas. Tamas means darkness. When the mind is rajas means dirt or dust. So when the mind is an influence of rajas, it becomes agitated, becomes restless. All desires one after the other rise. Actions one after the other follow. He cannot enjoy poise. That mind cannot enjoy poise, cannot enjoy quietude. There is something that keeps on, keeps on profiling it from one activity to the other. This is rajas. When the mind is sattvic, then it enjoys the tranquility, enjoys a self-sufficiency, enjoys a contentment. It is at poise, it is at peace with itself. So when the mind, even in sattva then, 
it is at peace with itself. <coughs> like a clear pool of water, from which all the dust has been removed, and whose surface also has become very calm, then that pool of water becomes a transparent body of water. And how you can see through it, and so also, when the mind is free from dust, and free from agitation, from tamas and rajas, the mind also becomes like a transparent pool. And we can experience the self. Self or the atma, is the nature of anand, happiness. We can experience happiness, that is our own self, when the mind has become tranquil, has become placid. That's why we say that there's no need for us to run after the happiness somewhere. What we need to do is to make our mind transparent, make our mind placid, like a placid or clean pool of water, a transparent pool of water. Make the mind like that, that mind will automatically reflect or manifest the happiness which is its own nature. <coughs> Tatsukham satvikam proktam atma buddhi prasadajam My mind itself becomes pleased with me. It becomes cheerful. It reflects the happiness which is the nature of self. Meaning that a person who enjoys sattva is happy for no reason at all. Happiness really does not require reason in our life. Unhappiness requires reason. Today it looks like happiness requires reason. Unhappiness doesn't require reason. So it looks like. It looks to us today that happiness is now and then requires a reason. Unhappiness is perpetuated. So it doesn't require reason. No. Really speaking, happiness should not require reason because it's my nature. Unhappiness requires reason. In terms of worries, anxieties, etc. So all we need to do is remove those reasons which are extraneous. And happiness is something that is spontaneous, something that is natural. So we've been saying that happiness being our nature, all we need to do is to remove rajas and tamas. Meaning remove ragadveshas, as the mind becomes sattvic, it will reflect the happiness of self as it is. So what is required for meditation or contemplation is a sattvic mind. It is free from rajas and tamas, free from the impurity and free from agitation. Call it free from raga and dvesha, likes and dislikes. <coughs> so that is called yoga. By yoga here we mean a state of mind which is sattvic mind, where the mind enjoys purity or tranquility, where the mind enjoys a peace with itself. And when there is peace with myself, then the mind remains steady, remains with me, has no reason to run away from me. Then the mind is available to me, for me to apply it wherever I want. So Lord Krishna says that, to be able to perform meditation, it is necessary to enjoy a mind like that. 
Continue to perform karma with the spirit of yoga. By karma means karma yoga. Karma yoga gam karna uchchade. Karma yoga is the means of acquiring such a mind. What it means is that our life, the active life, day-to-day activities can be so performed that progressively we acquire a meditative or contemplative mind. Usually, The way people live their life is that as they proceed with life, they become more and more agitated, usually. The way, because if the life is not lived intelligently, then same life and same duties and same actions can become means of increasing agitations, increasing stresses, increasing conflicts, increasing discomfort with myself. If these actions are performed with wrong attitudes, not as an attitude of worship, but with an attitude of always satisfying, gratifying the ego. If actions are performed only with a self-centered motive, with only the motive of gratification of my sense of gratifying the ego, then those actions become the means of increasing ragadveshas. And thus, increasing agitations in my life. So, by itself, karma is not an answer. It is the attitude with which you perform karma is really what matters. So, karma or action or duty becomes an occasion for us to command a certain attitude or maintain a certain attitude. And therefore, From now on, whenever we are about to do anything, anything, we remind ourselves, okay, mind, what attitude, why are you doing this? What's the purpose? Are you seeking some recognition? Are you seeking some pleasure? Are you seeking some material benefit? Are you seeking to gratify the ego? What are you doing? What are you seeking? It can be helping the kitchen, cleaning the floor, cutting the vegetables, working in the garden, working in the office, in the, in, wherever I am. I can always ask my mind, so understand that we have to become familiar with our own mind. <coughs> we have to become familiar with the way our mind works, the way the mind thinks. What kind of intentions the mind entertains, we should become familiar with all of this. And then we apply this teaching that the intention should be that my action should become a means of worshipping Ishwara. The action should become a means of expressing my sense of gratitude. An action should become a means of giving what I have rather than acquiring what I don't have. An action should become my contribution. If I keep reminding myself 
and then perform actions that way, then fine, action is the same. But depending upon what attitude I entertain, that's it, that attitude can be maintained. In that case, we say action is performed with the attitude of yoga. Lord Krishna says, this attitude of yoga, the selflessness as much as we can as much as we can entertain. The spirit of serving, spirit of cooperation, spirit of worship. That, that is conducive to acquiring a mind which is capable of meditation or contemplation. That brings about a purification of mind and also gives us a steadiness of the mind. <coughs> So how karma becomes a means of dhyanam? For that's why Lord Krishna says that this is, as we said, the chapter on meditation. But Lord Krishna says that karma yoga is a means of acquiring a mind which is, which has the capacity to meditate. <clears throat> Therefore, karma karma mutchare, karma means sadhanam. The karma means karma yoga becomes sadhanam, means for gaining, that's a vairagya, gaining a sattvic mind, gaining purity of the mind, gaining steadiness of the mind. <coughs> when you gain that kind of mind, when you have a mind that enjoys that placidity, single pointedness, contemplativeness, then you will find that the mind now, the interests change. As the disposition of mind changes, the interest of the mind automatically change. Now people complain to me, Swamiji, when we go with the friends and you know, we just don't like every time they talk of saris and ornaments and stuff like that. You're not interested. I'm sure there was a time few years ago when we were also doing the same thing and enjoying those talks. But now I guess the mind has discovered a different kind of joy, and therefore it is no, it has grown out of that. So this is a problem of growing out. Growing out of the lower forms of pleasure because we have now acquired the higher forms of joy. Second chapter, Lord Krishna says, Rasopyasya param drushtva nivartate. Our fascination for a given thing goes away when we have discovered a higher level of joy. So that is life, progressively discovering higher levels of joy. Because life has such an amount of potential. The highest level of joy is when you are totally filled with joy. All that is possible. And recognizing that possibility and making a commitment to that possibility is called spiritual life. And most people do not even know that therefore they hang on to the same kind of thing for the whole of their life. Meaning at the age of 75 also a person does the same thing that he was doing at the age of 25. Same dancing, same drinking, same stuff, same, same gambling, everything. 
They think that I'm living full life. Means you're not grown at all. You're not grown. You're not discovered other dimensions of life at all. Life has many dimensions. It's all right for a young man to do those things. Okay. Same stuff. For the rest of us, you know. That means that we have, and, and, and what happens is, the grosser the source of joy, more conflict and more struggle is involved. <clears throat> and as we said yesterday, we were talking to these youngsters. How the happiness that appears to come by fulfilling desire <coughs> is a binding happiness because you fulfill one desire, other one will arise. Not only that, but the mind will want more and more of the same thing to get the same quantum of joy. For getting a certain quantum of joy, formerly I needed something. Maybe one cup of coffee, one movie, something. Now for the same quantum of joy, I may need now three cups of coffee or four movies or something, because that's how it works. And so person becomes more and more addicted, more and more dependent, more and more helpless. So we have to see all of this, as to what is happening to my mind. Am I progressively becoming more free or am I becoming more bound? And so Lord Krishna says that performing action, attitude of yoga, is a means of acquiring mind that enjoys that placidity, tranquility, purity. Yoga Rudasita Seva Shamahkara Machade. Once you become Yoga Rudha, when now you gain the capacity to contemplate, gain capacity to meditate, meaning that now you gain capacity to be able to enjoy your own self, then Shamahkaramachate, Lord Krishna says that now one can disengage from all activities. Now karma yoga is no more required. Karma is no more required. Now he is ascended to the next step called the dhyana yoga. <clears throat> so first step is karma yoga, next step is dhyana yoga. The yoga of meditation or the yoga of contemplation. He has now discovered the capacity to be able to gain the joy out of meditation or out of contemplation. So now he has discovered a much subtler level of joy and therefore he no more has needs for karma and his achievements. Yoga Arudasya Tasteva Shamahkaramachade. We say that the there is a a lifestyle called renunciation. <coughs> Where a person becomes renunciate with the main purpose of pursuing knowledge. Now he has given up all his other duties and responsibilities as we said and all his claims so that he or she can devote himself totally towards the pursuit of knowledge. And what does pursuit of knowledge involve, we said, it involves shravanam, mananam, nididhyasanam, listening to scriptures from the lips of the teacher, reflection upon what you listen to, 
and deeply meditating upon what you know to assimilate that. This is what we call a life of pursuit of knowledge, jnana yoga. A contemplative life. This is possible only when the person has become free from the need to do things. When a person has discovered a self-acceptance, a contentment with one's own self, that the mind has become free from inner conflicts, that I no more have any complaints or dissatisfaction about myself. I no more blame myself or anybody, I have no discontentment, I am quite content or happy with myself. So when a person has thus discovered that poise, then he is ready for embracing the life of a renunciate. And understand that life of a renunciate is not meant to give up. Swamiji, are you giving up, shirking responsibility? It's not so. It looks like he's giving up something, but rather than that, he's embracing something. And for climbing the next step, we have to give the first step. My foot cannot be simultaneously on the first ladder, rung of the ladder and second rung of the ladder. To climb the second rung of the ladder, I must give the first rung. For going to university, I have to give up my high school anyway, even though I was there for 12 years and I love that place. But still, you do. So, this is called growing out. Renunciation is not discarding or abandoning something. Renunciation is growing out of something. So now that he is qualified to go to university, he can renounce the school. For qualifying for university, the school is a means. And once that means has fulfilled the purpose, now leaving the school is a means. So also, for qualifying for a life of meditation or contemplation or pursuit of knowledge, karma yoga is a means. And having acquired that state of mind, now one has to give up the karma and take up another means, which is what we call the Dhyana Yoga. <coughs> so this is how the life of sannyasa or renunciation comes in. That renunciation also has a place. It also, people ask this question often, Swamiji, does one have to become a renunciate? We always say, no, no, not necessary. You know, because people are asking, I'm never going to be able to do it anyway. And so what's the use of saying that, yes, we must become. But the answer is that at least in spirit one should become renunciate. Because that is what is meant. What is that required? A mind that is capable of meditation, a mind that is capable of contemplation, a mind that can is available for thinking about Ishvara, about self, about the reality of the world. Kuna bandha, kathamesha agadha. What's the nature of bondage? Where did it come from? Why does it continue to be there? What's the nature of the self? What is this non-self? How to discriminate between the two? I mean, these questions arise, and now mind is preoccupied with, with, with exploring the answer to these questions. 
So far, how to make a million dollars? That was another kind of other kind of questions were there. Which is okay. At that time, they were all solved, right? And then mind was busy exploring means of fulfilling those kind of things. Now their mind has become sattvic. Its needs have changed. Its questions have everything has changed. So Lord, this is the second stage. Thus, from the life of Grahasthashrama, the life of a renunciate. <coughs> That's how the four stages of life are there. The Brahmacharya, Grahastha, Vanaprastha, Sanyasa. <coughs> Vanaprastha, etc. is no more there. So Grahastha and Sanyasa. Basically now, the four stages of life are reduced to two, practically speaking. Because students also don't leave home. They also stay at home only these days. Formerly they were going away to Gurukulam, so there was a stage of life called Brahmacharya. That was good also, because there's no distraction. The only thing the students had to do was to study. Because where they were living, they were living with the teachers, with other students also, there were, there were no distractions. Right now there are so many distractions with children, so many distractions are there, that studying also becomes difficult. But anyway, that is how it was those days. And then person came home, entered the life of householder, lived a mature life, was ready for retirement, went to forest, gave away all the uh, management, everything was given to his son. He walked away. And finally, he became a renunciate. This was an ideal thing. <coughs> so whenever you read the stories in the Puranas about the kings, they always go away to forest, you know. When he grew old, he gave the kingdom to his son, went to forest. So this was, we also see the pictures of the sages all the meditating all the time, performing panels. <coughs> it was all Satya Yuga, I guess, you know, and these things were, were very prevalent. <coughs> but whether or not we become sannyasi in form, the idea is that the sannyasi in the, in the spirit is definitely necessary because as you said, Happiness is there only when there is sannyasa, renunciation. Happiness is only in renunciation. We are happy when we are fast asleep, when we are greatest renunciators. Because in the deep sleep state, I have given up the identification with everything. He comes home from a party. Eleven o'clock, it's quite late. He has put on all his suit and boot and this and then he come and then she has put on all kinds of saris and ornaments, you know. Very heavy. So as soon as you come home, first thing you do is to discard those things. A very light little cloth, you know, to, to go to sleep. So first attachment is given up, renunciation. Then slowly I give up identification of my body. <coughs> Then slowly give identification of the mind also. That is when I can fall asleep. If I cannot, the falling asleep becomes difficult when we cannot renounce easily. Sometimes the mind keeps on bothering me, then the sleep does not come because some renunciation has not happened. I'm, I'm holding on to something. But we just let go of everything. In the deep sleep state, we are all great renunciates. Because no attachment identification, no attachment to anything. Family and everything is there where it is. No attachment. Not even to my body. Not even to my mind. Not even to my ego. In the deep sleep state, there is no ego also. 
I'm a complete genocide. <coughs> so the experience of deep sleep also shows that happiness is renunciation. At any moment when I'm happy also at that time I renunciate. Sometimes you become so happy that you forget everything. Is it not so? Forget everything. Forget when I am momentarily. That means renunciation of all time, place and everything is there. And again it all comes back and again I fall, you know, I find myself as before. I work hard to become a renunciate. For that I need movies and I need all kinds of things to become a renunciate, really. When you are listening to your favorite music, you want to become a renunciate. You want to forget the world. You want to forget things. You want to get absorbed. You can enjoy the music if you get absorbed in it. Enjoy anything when you get absorbed in it. You want to get absorbed so that you can be free from everything else. And so we do not know the way to become renunciate. Therefore, we take the help of all these various things to become renunciates. So Lord Krishna says, live a life of Karma Yoga. That will make us renunciates progressively. Because Ragadveshas have to be dropped. And freedom of Ragadveshas called Yoga Rudhatvam. Yoga Rudhatvam meaning the stage of ascending yoga or the capacity to be able to focus my mind in meditation or contemplation, which is when the mind is free from likes and dislikes. In Vedanta they are called Vairagya. The mind enjoys Vairagya or dispassion. <coughs> and when that has happened, then Lord Krishna says, Yoga Rudhatasya for the same person who has now become Yoga Rudha or gain the capacity of yoga, shamaha, the renunciation of action is the karanam, is the means. For what he is to do further now? What he is to do further is, now contemplate upon the self, for that renunciation of action is the means. <coughs> okay, we will continue. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutau Vande Bhagavantau Punah Punah Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vadhyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namaha Om Shantishan Tishantihi Hari Om Shri 